Welcome to The Higher Edge, a podcast for the brightest minds in higher education to hear from the change makers and rule breakers that are driving meaningful, impactful change for colleges and universities across the country. From improving operations to supporting student success, these are the stories that give you The Higher Edge. And now, direct from 2022's Educause Convention, your host, Brendan Aldrich. Hey, everyone, and welcome to The Higher Edge. I'm Brendan Aldrich, and welcome to the second of two special episodes recorded from the floor of the annual Educause Conference in Denver, Colorado. As I shared last week, Educause is a nonprofit association here in the United States dedicated to advancing higher education through the use of information technology. It's a fantastic organization with tens of thousands of active members representing more than 2,300 higher education institutions, educational organizations, and companies across the country. I'm super excited this week because today's episode will focus on a featured area of the exhibit hall floor called Startup Alley. It's where all of the new small companies that are creating the next generation of higher education technologies have an opportunity to introduce themselves to the higher education community. So I took our mobile podcast rig down to the floor, and this week I'm thrilled to share a series of quick conversations with a number of these innovative up-and-coming individuals, including a look at just why they were inspired to do the work that they're doing. Recorded live from the Florida Educause, in today's episode, we're going to do rapid-fire conversations with the leaders and representatives of just 10 of the Educause Startup Alley startups that are creating the future in higher education technology. Fasten your seatbelts, and let's dive in. First, let's meet Joe Burgess, co-founder of Ribbon Education. Ribbon Education is a student success platform to help online institutions run scaled programs. So we do three things. We help you identify the learners that need attention, we help you intervene in batch and automated ways, and then we help you collaborate across all the different people that are working with that student to make sure you're all rowing in the same direction. Starting up a company is always kind of a challenge in itself. What was your motivation? What drove you to create Ribbon Education? The last company I worked for is a coding boot camp. Uh, I was the first employee there, and I, for a long time, ran all of education delivery and education product. We were teaching scaled programs with fairly high student-to-staff ratio, and I was frustrated with the quality of software to run those affordable programs at scale. It was frustrating. We ran everything through a leaning tower of spreadsheets. We hired an operations person to kind of manage that leaning tower of spreadsheets. And there was a better way. There was a better way to make staff's lives easier, simpler, and ultimately our students more successful. If people would like to learn more about Ribbon Education yeah. or, or what types of schools or organizations you're working with, uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So we are in integration with the Canvas LMS and Zoom. So get grades data from Canvas, attendance data from Zoom. And we also integrate with the uh, G Suite set of tools. So all the communications right now are happening via Gmail and data information through Google Sheets, making it really easy to get started because you pretty much already know how to use our software. If you are an institution that does distance learning, especially kind of focus on adult distance learning, then you should reach out to us. We're ribbonedu.com. That's ribbon, R-I-B-B-O-N-E-D-U.com. You can connect with Joe and follow Ribbon Education on LinkedIn. Next is the co-founder and CEO of a company called Reed. Let's meet David Shim. 
David, thanks for being on the show. Tell me a little bit about Reed, your company. Yeah, so what Reed does is we apply analytics and AI to video conferencing. And the output of that is one, a virtual te teaching assistant, and the second is really meeting optimization, meeting wellness. So for any teacher that's out there where you're teaching a virtual classroom today, it's hard to actually see all your students and see how they respond to the conversation, how they respond to the curriculum. And so what we do is we give you a second pair of eyes to go in and say, hey, is engagement high or low across your students while you're teaching? Because if you think about it, a 14-inch monitor with, with a PowerPoint presentation, you see maybe three people on top with Zoom or WebEx or Teams. And so what we want to do is really enable teachers to catch that moment where they lose their audience, where they lose their classroom, and try to pull them back in. And are there specific kinds of schools or education programs that you work with, uh, community colleges, four-year, graduate schools? Yeah, so we work with higher education, and the focus, it breaks out about 80-20. So 80% of our users are actually students. So they want to be able to optimize their schedules. Uh, they want to be able to actually have people take notes during the meeting automatically. So what happens is when Reed joins the call, it joins as a participant, uh, when it joins as a participant, it pulls down the analytics during that call, and things include transcription, and how did people respond to certain parts of the meeting, and so it gives them the ability to go back and say, what are the areas that I should focus in on? And we do this all without like storing the audio or video, because we delete it after the call. The other 20% that we see is really from professors. So they're going in and saying, hey, I'm teaching a class, I would love to actually be able to see, as I go through different agenda items, where's the level of engagement? Where do I see the drop off? Uh, you know what I just noticed? Like once I speak for 10 minutes or more, I see the class drops off. Now that actually helps me adjust my classroom kind of schedule and how, the, how I talk about different topics, how long I speak for things. What was the inspiration behind Reed? Why was this the idea that you decided needed to be its own company? Yeah, so early during the pandemic, uh, lots of meetings were happening and I was getting invited to a bunch of meetings and I wasn't paying attention. And when you don't pay attention, you go to sites that you like. I went to ESPN and ESPN has very distinct colors and the headline is pretty much the same for everybody else. And during a call where there were 30 people, I was like, oh, this is kind of boring, I'm on ESPN. And I looked at other people's screens and what I actually noticed was one person had glasses on and it had ESPN reflected back. And I was like, okay, this is actually a good experiment to go in and say, you can identify when people aren't paying attention. And then when you're able to do that, don't police them, but actually give them back their time. So be able to say like, hey, if you're spending 30 minutes on ESPN, you probably shouldn't have been on this call. So let me give you back 30 minutes a week. And when you combine all those efforts together, it really does make for a more healthy meeting schedule. And do you have a, a favorite success story, something you've heard from one of your customers about uh, their experiences using your product? Yeah, so uh, the best one that we had was really early on when a venture capitalist was using our solution. And they were talking with, they were using it on a number of their calls, and they still do today. And they found like, for the intro call where you meet a startup for the first time, they looked at the analytics and at first they were like, this is wrong. And then they thought about it and the metric was talk time. They were spending about 85% of the time talking and the other startup was only 15% on an intro call. And that immediately corrected his behavior. He actually took a step back and said, okay, I need to ask more questions. I need to listen more. And that's where measurability comes in. Think of it like a Fitbit today where you walk around, you look at it, you say, I need 2,000 more steps. So you're going to walk a little bit more. There isn't that level of measurability around the classroom or meetings, and that's where we want to be able to go out and do is actually give people access to those analytics, and that's why we've made it free for any user that wants to utilize it today up to about an organization of 10. And if people want to learn more about Reed, where, the, where can they go? Yeah, so if you want to learn more about Reed, go to www.reed.ai. So it's Reed and then .ai. And if you go to Read AI's website, you'll also find some intriguing metrics, including their findings that 31% of meetings start late. Those were probably my meetings. 
and as many as 24% of attendees in virtual meetings aren't engaged. Hopefully I'm not in those meetings. Really great stuff. Next up is Dan Quigg, CEO of a company called Public Insight. Dan, tell me a little bit, so what what does Public Insight do? So Public Insight is really all about market intelligence, job market intelligence, as people and institutions are trying to react to the kind of the the new reality in our post-COVID world. We know that the job and labor market is just not the same as it was. You know, there's all sorts of different factors, you know, things like remote work, um, things like high turnover, high difficult to fill jobs, um, you know, longer term career paths that are changing dynamically. That all requires market intelligence and that's a critical part of the puzzle. Fantastic. And so I understand you don't work directly with institutions, but you work with a lot of technology companies that work with institutions. Is that That, right? Yeah, that's our primary. I mean, we do have some institution direct uh, subscribers, but I'd say 90% of our business is through technology companies, uh, you know, as partners that whether it's licensing our data, whether it's using our applications, that those are our primary customers. What was the inspiration that told you that Public Insight was the company that you wanted to create? Yeah, uh, by the way, Public Insight is my eighth uh, early stage company. I'm a little <laughs> older, but I'm a CPA by background, so I'm a kind of a data nerd to begin with. Um, so, and I've, I've had a, a background in uh, analytic software. So uh, kind of this opportunity to, I like to say, make uh, lemonade out of lemons. You know, so a lot of the market and public data is, is lemons and you know, it's hard to use, it's difficult to get at. You know, so our job of turning lemonade out of lemons is just a, a, an attractive proposition to me being kind of a bean counter by background. So that's how we got into this particular space. And do you have a favorite success story, something you've heard back from your clients about how your, your information was used that, that you like to share? The, the analogy I like to use, did you see the movie Jurassic Park? Sure, of course, everybody has, right? So what a lot of people tell us is, if you remember the, the, when they're in the lab and they're talking about you know, making the, the dinosaur, and they say, well, how did you, you know, what did you have to make that dinosaur complete? And he said, well, we had to ingest the frog DNA to make it work. Well, without market data, you, you know, market data is the frog DNA that makes the dinosaur complete. So you know, a lot of what people tell us in using our data is it, it really fills in a lot of knowledge gaps that they did not have. Um, uh, so as an example, we have like recruiting technologies that say, you know, a lot of the data that we have fills in those gaps very nicely and effectively. And for people that want to learn more about Public Insight, is there somewhere they can go? Sure. Uh, you know, best bet is to start is our website, uh, www.publicinsight.io. We're kind of one of the ones that have adopted IO as kind of a new data domain. <laughs> from uh, So publicinsight.io. Honestly, I love the idea of going beyond traditional academic information and leveraging public data when it comes to seeing a more complete picture of what students need at all of those key momentum points in their journey. Our next startup is actually quite a sizable company, but their work in education is still a smaller but growing part of their portfolio. Let's meet John McLeod, account manager at Pressbooks. So, John, tell me a little bit about Pressbooks and what you do. So, uh, yeah, Pressbooks has been around for, for about 10 years. It was originally, a, I would say, a labor of love from our founder and CEO. He was looking for a way to uh, improve the publishing process and include digital and make a software tool that could easily produce digital web books that with 
easily be converted to different file formats. And so that what Pressbooks does is, at our heart, we're an open source software that enables users to do just that. And um, we, we currently have close to 200 different institutions or consortiums that use Pressbooks uh, to handle their publishing needs. It became a very big tool probably three to five years ago with the open education community and they were able to use Pressbooks to support their growth of open educational material. And do you have a, like a favorite customer success story? I know that Open Ed Global Awards just uh, were announced last week and the winner of the best OER uh, was a, a product that was produced on the eCampus Ontario network. Uh, so a Pressbooks uh, client and one of our biggest users. So they won that, but it was really gratifying to see there was eight finalists for that award and five of the finalists used a Pressbooks network to publish their, uh, their resource. Wow, so, that's fantastic. Yeah, I was really excited to see that. And so if people want to learn more about Pressbooks, uh, where might they go to learn that? Pressbooks.com, if individual authors want to use Pressbooks, we have a network that's available for individual authors. It's uh, free uh, to sign up and you can start with a free trial. And if the free trial runs out and you like it, you can subscribe. Pressbooks is a great platform that's used to create open textbooks and also used by self-publishers to get their content out into the world. Hey, for everyone listening, hang tight. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, and we'll be back in just one minute. All colleges and universities face challenges in advancing the mission of higher education. Some problems impeding your progress are known, but others are invisible, hidden, impossible to address. Invoke Learning changes everything. Built on revolutionary technology that's light years beyond anything you've seen yet, our leading-edge data platforms and deep analytic solutions give institutions of higher education some real-life superpowers to support the entire student journey. Ask questions you never imagined could be answered. Get unprecedented insights that lead to mission-impacting action. What's holding you back today from taking your mission further tomorrow? Find out and discover just how far you can go. Contact Invoke Learning at www.invokelearning.com. Invoke Learning. This is education empowered. Thanks so much for listening to our sponsor. Let's get back to the show. Let's jump from publishing to remote device management with Jason Shavey at Level.io. So I'm here with Jason from Level.io. Jason, uh, so tell me first of all your role at the company and then tell me a little bit about what Level does. Sure. I'm the Chief uh, Operations Officer at Level. And Level is a, is a SaaS platform that allows IT professionals to manage devices. One of our tenants as a company is, and one of our goals is to, to be able to manage a thousand devices as easily as it is to manage a single device. And so we uh, spend a lot of time and, and effort into making that happen. And do you focus on a particular part of higher education, uh, community colleges, four-year schools, graduate schools? Really our focus is IT professionals, and so they exist in all of those, uh, those areas, and so anybody who is managing a device level would be a good fit for it. And then do you have a, a favorite success story? One of the things that, that level helps do is really the life cycle of a device. So when you set up a device, you have to provision it, you have to keep it up to date, patches and security updates. You have to install software. 
and then you have to manage and maintain it. And so we're able to help across all aspects of, of that. One of the things that we found that is, um, has really helped our, our customers with our platform is the real-time nature of, of what we do. For instance, we had the, the last zero day of vulnerability from Microsoft on their Exchange servers. IT professionals kind of get in a panic, and so they said, all right, I need to patch all my, my servers. And so with Level, we're very quickly able to create a filter, push out the update and the patch, and see that it was actually applied successfully in real time. And so a matter of 20 minutes, we were able to have entire organizations patched and, and up to date, whereas other platforms can take hours or days even. What was the inspiration behind Level.io, and, and why was this the company that you felt was this was the time to do it? I come from the MSP space in IT services, and I've used um, varying tools throughout my career um, for the last 20, 20 years or so, and there's always something lacking uh, in, in a tool. And so, and as these tools have aged, they're starting to show their, their age a little bit. And so we decided you know, there's, there's newer technology, newer security standards, and uh, we had some pretty, pretty interesting ideas that we could use to help uh, make IT departments more efficient at what they're doing. And if people want to learn more about Level, where should they go? They can go to our website at level.io, and uh, so, you know, we've got a lot of information there, or they're, they're welcome to email us at, at sales at level.io. One of the hot topics over the last few years has been how to really better engage students. The team at Wildflower Education believe that institutions have an opportunity to do this by combining the classroom experience with what's going on outside the classroom. Let's learn more. Okay, I'm with Alicia Sepulveda, who is the Vice President of Partnerships and Research at Wildflower Education. Hi, Alicia. Hello, thanks for having me. Hey, so tell me a little bit about uh, who is Wildflower Education and what do you do? Sure, so we are working to increase student engagement in the classroom and also outside of the classroom. So really we're trying to connect the academic and the student life experience, and it's really rooted in the student experience. So the way it works is that students are pro provided a code from their faculty member or from the student club or organization. Students get connected to all of the people who are affiliated with that club, group, or class. And so think about it as LinkedIn for one classroom. And students are able to connect one-on-one -on -one with students based on their interest. Um, we have profiles that our students absolutely love using. And then we also create study groups so students can create their own study groups or faculty can create study groups for students to join or they can use it for uh, team projects or team collaborations. So we're really trying to increase collaboration in the classroom, connection, and really help students discover new opportunities that are aligned with their interests. And are there specific parts of the education market that you tend to work in? We're starting in the, more so in the classroom, in the faculty. Um, we have uh, eight different universities who are piloting this in different classrooms across the country. And then we also have three different partners that are partnering within clubs and organizations um, as well. And so really what we're doing is focused on the user experience and that user feedback to make sure that we're really designing something that students love and that also is useful for faculty and administrators to really better support students. And so uh, what was the inspiration behind Wildflower Education? Why was now the time to sort of build this company and put it together? Sure, Wildflower Education really 
is trying to solve the problem of student engagement. Since the COVID-19 pandemic, it's been really difficult for students to connect and engage. And I actually recently transitioned to wildflower education. So I worked in higher ed for 12 years as an academic life coach for students. I've coached over a thousand students over the past 12 years and done some research in that area. And just, this is something that I wish students had my entire career. I went to Florida State, went there for six years. It was first gen in my family to go to college. I graduated, started working for the college, and found out there were so many amazing opportunities and resources that I had no idea existed. I had this theory that really there's this hidden college theory where students only see about 10% of what is available to them, and we just don't do a great job in higher ed of really helping students connect to their interests and also explore new opportunities and resources. We do have some programs that are doing amazing things, so I don't want to say that, but really we work with students um, in that middle ground, so not the students who are really struggling academically and not our leaders who are amazing, right? They're the go-getters. Those are the, the five or 10% of students, but we have 90% of our students who aren't getting those resources. They're not connecting and they're not being able to develop as much as we know that they can. And I just think we're leaving potential on the table. And that's really where wildflower education comes in. And do you have a, a favorite success story, something you've heard from one of your partner institutions that shows the impact that wildflower has had for them or for some of their students? Oh my gosh, we just had the student who reached out to wildflower education because we had something about loneliness on our website. And so he reached out to us and he said, um, you know, I'm actually doing a student project on student loneliness. Um, I'm actually, you know, lonely. And also I'm doing this project because I'm a first year student and having a really hard time connecting with other people. And so we actually did some customer discovery with him of saying, you know, well, we helped him with this class project, but then we also just asked him of like, what are you experiencing? And, you know, he went to the student involvement fair on campus, right? There's amazing student clubs and organizations, and we really love to highlight that at, at our colleges. But the student went, he signed up for all of these opportunities and never heard back. And so this student put himself out there, right? He is getting outside of his comfort zone. He's doing all of the things that we encourage our students to do, and nothing is happening. And he's amazing. He's great to talk to. He's easy to talk to. Um, but he's still really struggling to find meaningful connections. And we know that that particular student is more likely to leave university. He's more likely to you know, potentially drop out, transfer. Um, and so we really have to do a better job here. Absolutely. Well, and if people want to learn more about wildflower education, where can they go? Um, I would love for you to go to our website at wildflower.education. And you can join our mailing list and also connect with us on LinkedIn. Honestly, I love how the stories of even individual students like we just heard can influence the focus and direction of startup companies working within higher education. Keeping within the theme of student engagement, our next company, Interact123, has created a solution that was developed by educators using clear course design, which we'll learn about in a minute, and helps instructors balance curriculum requirements and student engagement in ways that support optimal learning. Let's get to know the team at Interact123. So I'm with Kristen Betts, who is the principal and founder of Interact123. Kristen, hi. Wonderful to be here. So Kristen, tell me a little bit, what does Interact123 do? Interact123 is a learning science-based application that allows instructional designers and faculty members to easily map any course across any LMS in terms of what we call clear course design, alignment with the credit hour, licensure, 
engagement, accreditation, and regular and substantive interaction. And is there a part of the education market that you focus on? We work with all higher education institutions. Our clients include two-year, four-year, public, private. We also have international clients. So it's an easy application, as mentioned, to help instructional designers and faculty members actually see what's in their course in terms of content, student workload, and cognitive load. No content goes in there, it is certainly not an LMS, but allows them to look at their courses to find out, do they have too much content, which could impact student engagement, retention, particularly con cognitive overload, or do they have too little content, which could affect alignment with federal regulations in Title IV funding. What was the inspiration behind Interact 123? Why was now the time to do the company? In July 1st, 2021, there were a number of federal regulations that were put into place, particularly looking at regular and substantive interaction. So we decided to create an application where, as I mentioned, an instructional designer, a faculty member, could easily map out and align their courses with their accreditor, licensure, as well as regular and substantive interaction. Great, and I wonder if you have a favorite success story, maybe something you've heard from your institutions about a particular student that sort of demonstrates the partnership you've had with your, your client? Some of our faculty members have reached out and shared that their students are actually sharing on evaluations how much more they're engaged and able to actually modify what they're doing in a classroom through the feedback. So through the application, you can look at the different types of feedback that you can apply. So often, we might run into functional fixedness where we're simply providing text feedback. So through the application, you're able to look and identify, can you provide voice feedback, video feedback? Can you provide different types of multimedia feedback? So students on evaluations are saying, that their experience in the classrooms are that much more robust because of the multimodality feedback that they're receiving from faculty. And again, it's because when you're mapping out a course and you're able to look at universal design for learning or culturally responsive teaching options, it makes the experience for the students that much more robust to support deeper learning. And where can people go if they want to learn more about Interact 123? Well, they can go to the Interact123 website at www.interact123.com. We encourage you, look at the resources. There are extensive resources that are available to learn about the brain, to learn about neuroplasticity. We also have a monograph series that provides wonderful publications that are open access that you can share with your peers as well. From energizing the classroom with Interact 123, we're now going to jump into some cutting-edge AI technology that's been designed to support agile, continuous learning. This is the team at Gion. They are leaning into modular courses and credentials that are in high demand by lifelong learners with the use of a patented AI that assists in, among other things, building a holistic learning experience for students. I'm here with Valerie Higgins, who is a product manager for Gion. Uh, Valerie, and welcome on the show. Thank you for having me. So, first of all, tell us a little bit about Gion. Uh, what is it that Gion does? 
So we're an AI company that works with higher education institutions in a couple different areas. We can do automated grading of assessments, open text essays. We have a course authoring platform, and then we also have a personalized skills pathway for students. And is there a particular part of the higher education market you're working with, or do you work with schools that are two-year, four-year graduate schools? So we work with a, a variety of higher education institutions. We work in kind of the uh, continuous learning space, which kind of has to do with the assessments and the course authoring that I mentioned, as well as uh, market-based skilling. So those can apply to a variety of different um, areas within that vertical. And how long has Gion been in operation? So our company's been around for about four years, but the tech predates us. So the tech was established around nine years ago. So tell me if you know, because we're always fascinated with, with new companies, especially in the startup world, you know, what was the inspiration? Why was now the time for Gion to, to sort of come together as a company to serve higher ed? So, you know, years and years we've, we've had these search engines that have performed, you know, the one function, you put in your query, you get the results back. But what was lacking, what we saw lacking in the market was this space for auto discovery and auto curation of information. So taking what you get from those search results and then building something meaningful out of that, like a structure based specifically on what you're looking for. Um, so we figured, you know, with the right technology, we could fill that space and we feel like we're the people for the job. And do you have a, a favorite success story? Absolutely. Um, so our clients prefer to remain anonymous, but right now what we're doing is we're working with a digital innovation program. So we're helping them in a variety of facets. So their learning designers right now are using our course authoring platform to build out pre-existing or brand new courses and kind of populate that with the auto-curated information that I mentioned. And then they're using the assessment platform that's built right in, so it's kind of a whole suite there, as well as the skilling to get their students towards their future desired career paths. So they're using you know, the whole spectrum of our project. It just went into production, so we're very proud of that. Fantastic, and if anybody wants to learn more about Gion, where should they go? Absolutely. You can go to gyanai.com backslash higher ed. That's G-Y-A-N. It's a Sanskrit word for knowledge. If you're a fan of higher education podcasts, you may have heard our next guest when he appeared this last May on the Starter Stories podcast with Zach Buzicruz, which is part of the Enrollify network. For our next to last segment, I was thrilled to have a few minutes to catch up with Cooper Jones, co-founder and CEO at Ra-Ra. Well, Cooper, uh, thank you so much for coming on The Higher Edge. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, Brendan. So, Cooper, tell me a little bit about uh, you and your role with RaRa. Yeah, well, my role is fairly straightforward. It's to bring on people that are smarter than I am uh, and support them as a CEO. But we started RaRa mainly to simplify student life. We saw when we started four years ago that there's just massive missed opportunity when it comes to mobile applications and the student experience in higher ed. And when we started in 2018, we didn't realize how disruptive it was to build a product that was student first. And so fast forward to 2022, all of the institutions that we serve and those that we don't are really focused on being more student centric and really providing an amplified student experience. And so we're thankful to be in a position to help. 
And so tell me, what was, uh, starting a new company is always a challenge, and when you're in that startup phase, what was the inspiration behind Ra-Ra? Was there a particular moment where you said, yeah, this is, this is what needs to happen now? You know, I used to be in strategy consulting, and, uh, got staffed on a quick engagement with a university system and realized there just the opportunity to make change and innovation happen in the higher ed space. And so I started thinking about that in my own experience where I went to school. And I was a kid that grew up in Chicago and ended up going to Oklahoma State only because my big sister was there. And so I didn't know anyone or really anything about OSU, but my sister was a senior when I was a first year. And so the first day that I arrived, she set me up for success. She said, this is where this is, this is how this works, this is who you should talk to, this is what you'd be interested in. And the reality is that's a privilege. A majority of students in America are first generation and so wanted to build a way to scale what my sister did for me, but for everyone. And then naturally we went down the path of mobile apps and uh, here we are today, four years later. That's fantastic. And do you have a, a favorite success story, maybe something you've heard from an institution or about a student who who really, because of the app, had a had different experience? Yeah, I mean, golly, I feel like there's a win, and as an entrepreneur, a loss every day, and so it's always a range of emotions. But probably the best compliment that we've received is from one of our early partners telling us we've helped their institution go from feeling good about all of their experiences and their initiatives and their programs and their offerings to know that they're doing good. And so that was a really good feel-good moment. And then, most recently, what we're probably all most proud of is going live at University of Michigan. That was a really big win for us, and thankfully we're seeing that the students are really, really enjoying the product, and which we're proud of. But more recently, our, I guess, point of contact at Kansas State Salina came to us and said that they had a few first-generation students that have really been relying upon Ra-Ra to find that sense of belonging, to find that fit, and they actually didn't know about Ra-Ra until about the second weekend, and it changed the entire trajectory of their university experience. Oh, that's great, because they didn't even have anyone in their lives that, that knew anything about the college experience to help guide them. Exactly, yep. What a fantastic story. Well, Cooper, thank you so much for coming on the story and telling us a little bit about you and about Ra-Ra. Yeah, thank you. It's not just me. We have a whole team of really, really good people. And while I didn't ask Cooper where folks could learn more about Ra-Ra, I'll make up for that lapse now and share with you that you can go to www dot rarahlife dot com. That's rara r a h r a h life dot com. Really, some great work to help give students that connected experience with their university. Well, our last startup alley company is honestly one of my favorites, and it has a lot to do with the personality and charisma of their co-founders. And that's right, co-founders and co-CEOs, Mosin Shahini and Karin Moret. You know, we don't see co-CEOs that often in the startup world because it can be really difficult to have two captains at the helm. Making sure that they have distinct roles and responsibilities can be challenging to be sure, but Mosin and Corinne make this look easy. They have a lot of experience and passion that they're bringing to the table with their startup company, Critic. I'm here with Mosin Shahini and Corinne Moret. Both of you are co-founders and co-CEO with Critic. Welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you. you. So first of all, tell me a little bit about what Critic is. Critic is a calibrated peer assessment platform that democratizes grading, remove uh, grading bias, and increases a student's critical thinking and uh, soft skills. And I would like to add on top of it, we prepare students for the workforce. We build an inclusive learning ecosystem. We improve retention rates. We boost student engagement. And the student engagement is uh, two things. We have a system to identify 
the students who are far behind, and then we also identify the students who is who are more advanced, and then we create a system that all students can learn at different pace in the same classroom because the end goal is to make sure that all students get a job post-graduation. Fantastic, and I see that you also integrate with all the major LMS platforms, including Canvas, Moodle, Blackboard, and Desire to Learn. Yes. That's correct. And so, one of the things I'm fascinated by, because it's not as common, but to have co-founders and co-CEOs. So tell me a little bit about that. Uh, for sure, I would say, it's working great. Uh, I think one of the things is that is, is important is that it's helping us to show to our employees, first of all, that there is diversity uh, across across business, including from the leadership, because we, uh, uh, my previous company, tried to encourage diversity inclusion, but you know, you get you see females coming to certain level of seniority, but you don't see them at the CEO level. So, uh, in, you know, and, and we wanted to show it to our employees that there is no, there is nothing that stops them uh, as far as gender goes when they when they Fantastic. want to be a CEO. And in addition of uh, gender, I think uh, there is also other element to it, which is like the leadership style and the background information. So, um, Mohsen is coming from the educational background. He built Top Hat before, stayed 10 years in the industry, and then he basically digitized the textbooks with uh, multiple choice questions and then um, interactive activity in the textbooks online. And when we met and decided to build critic together, I came up with another perspective, which is um, how I step away from multiple choice question. I was uh, telling Mohsen that we should build a system where students need to reflect and uh, participate and own their, their learning in the system that they are empowered. So I, it was very important that critic kind of like reverse the, reverse the power relationship between professor and students. Tell me a little bit, what was the inspiration for Critic? And, and what was it where you said, now is the time that this is important, that this company is, is born? Mm. Well, as Kimi mentioned, worked for 10 years at Top Hat and uh, closely with the instructors. I noticed that the, uh, the ecosystem is changing. Uh, information technology is becoming more and more available. Facts, information, memorization of those facts becoming basically um, memorization of those facts can be pointless in a sense that uh, you can search everything online. On the other hand, there is no technology that can assess a student's thinking skills, critical thinking skills, uh, and uh, problem solving skills, uh, and, and, and self learning skills, things like that because it's hard to assess them. There's no technology because they're not as objective. And the only way you could do that was through some level of uh, crowdsourcing. So that's what I found a solution. Karina, of course, had, a, had an impact on, on this decision as well because she was coming from a student's perspective um, and then she wanted students to receive more personalized feedback because she needed, that's how she learned and she needed a lot of feedback in her online courses. She was not very satisfied with the professors just giving her very quick, short, feedback, oh, great job, maybe change this part of your essay that she spent like two days to prepare. So she was feeling that she's not getting the ROI for the tuition, the tuition fee that she was paying. Exactly. So when I, made, when I did my second bachelor degree in another language, the first one was in French, the second one was in English. So when I did the second one, I was like, I had a higher expectation for myself. I got B plus for the, my first bachelor degree, but the second bachelor degree, I said, okay, I'm going to have an A plus and I'm going to achieve that no matter what. So I was like fighting for it and I said, okay, anytime I had a, a, an exam, I was asking feedback to the professor, say, please 
tell me how can I be a master expert in APA format? How can I be a master expert or whatever the assignment was? And I never ever received feedback, like very little. And then I decided to kind of like um, um, fight for it. So I uh, uh, submitted a claim for that professor to improve their uh, teaching system. Uh, and then, and then I, what I did in parallel is I asked my classmate, okay, let's work together. I created a Google Doc online and I say let's put all our notes together learn from peers and I had a schedule uh, with, with them to meet over a zoom call um, on a weekly basis at the beginning it worked well but then at some point they had um, some resistance and they were afraid to that their professor caught them doing that and they were afraid of cheating so I, I felt that we need to put in place an online peer learning platform that professor adopt and not something that students try to do on the side because it will limit their growth. That's fantastic. And since you've been working with schools, do you have a, a good success story? Yeah, I would, I would have a, a, start a good example from a professor at Virginia Tech University. Uh, professor, her name is Valerie. She's teaching analytic uh, chemistry. She really uses Critic because she uh, wanted to motivate her female students to succeed in the you know fairly technical and, and mass oriented course where there's there's a little bit of a lack of diversity in those courses what she found with critic was that when she, she was showing me she was like look see that how my student when I went to her, I went to Virginia Tech on her to go to campus to just check in with her how it goes she said come here I'm going to show you something and she opened her laptop and she said look do you see this student's feedback that she said to their peers and I read that feedback and the feedback had like oh, I make the exact same problem, and then exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. And she said that this is really eye-opening uh, for my students because they, these are females that they, when they see that their peers are making that mistake, that, that sort of a perception they might have in themselves that, oh, I'm the only one who makes this mistake goes away, and I've seen them, give them confidence. With and that, that can create, I imagine, a certain sense of embarrassment where the student doesn't want to ask the question because they feel like they might be the only one who has that sure. question or that problem. Uh, exactly, exactly. That's fantastic. Well, if people would like to learn more about Critic, where's the best place for them to do that? They can go to our homepage at www.critic.io or go to our LinkedIn page. Uh, I think those are full of information there. And that's it. Our second and final episode from the floor of Educause. The Startup Alley really is one of my favorite parts of the annual Educause conference as the passion and commitment of these companies is as inspiring to me as I hope it was for you to hear their stories. I want to give a great big thank you to all of my guests for this episode. Joe Burgess, founder and CEO of Ribbon Education. David Shim, co-founder and CEO of Read AI. Dan Quigg, CEO for Public Insight. John McLeod, account manager at Pressbooks. Jason Shavey, chief operating officer for Level. Alicia Sepulveda, vice president of partnerships and research for Wildflower Education. Dr. Kristen Betts, principal and founder of Interact123. Valerie Higgins, Product Manager for Guion AI. Cooper Jones, Co-Founder and CEO for Ra-Ra. And finally, both Mohsen Shahini and Corinne Moret, Co-CEOs at Critic. And that's Critic, K-R-I-T-I-K, Critic. And thank you, everyone, for sharing in this Educause experience over the last two episodes with us here at The Higher Edge. Until next time, I'm Brendan Aldrich, and we'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to The Higher Edge. 
For more, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform, leave us a review if you loved the show, and be sure to connect with Brendan on LinkedIn. Know someone who's making big changes at their higher ed institution that belongs on this podcast? Drop us a line at podcasts at thehigheredge.com. The Higher Edge is sponsored by Invoke Learning in partnership with Westport Studios. Views and opinions expressed by individuals during the podcast are their own. See how Invoke Learning is empowering higher education at invokelearning.com. Invoke Learning.